0: Welcome back to Just James Horror Reviews. I'm your host, Just James, and this is episode number seven. Today, we are going to be reviewing a 2020 film titled H.P. Lovecraft's The Deep Ones. This is put out by director Chad Farren. His other movies include Pig Killer, Exorcism at 60,000 Feet, and The Chair. He has quite a few other films, however, those are the three that look the most interesting. I'm definitely going to check out exorcism at 60,000 feet. Pit killer sound like it had a cool preference. I'll let you look these up yourself in the chair. I'm probably going to watch all three of these. I'll I'll go ahead and say that, but not based on this movie, just based on the descriptions. I have a feeling that these movies are probably going to be kind of along the same vein as far as how they're produced as this film. So, H.P. Lovecraft's The Deep Ones. This film to me is, uh, using a little name recognition. I don't know if this particular, uh, you know, director has, I mean, I I guess anyone that makes any kind of horror film has a knowledge or some type of love for H.P. Lovecraft. How could you not? It's just kind of one of those staples that you grow up with. However, I don't feel like this is any type of love letter to that particular author. And you'll see what I mean as I go on through uh, talking about this film today. I feel like using that name in the title because it is very much on the title you know screen that you see when you're scrolling through I got this one on Amazon Prime it says in big letters HP Lovecraft's the deep ones the art looks really cool looks very interesting and that's what brought me to it and that's how I ended up watching it however I think it's kind of like when they make a hot sauce and they put Elvis's hot sauce or something like that they put some kind of name on there of someone that's not alive to actually endorse a product if that if that makes sense so um i feel like this did a little bit of that with this film because as you watch it it oh man i hate to say anything negative about a film because i'm not a filmmaker right I'm just a consumer of all things horror, and i know what i like and what i don't like i didn't not like this film but was it a good film mm, not. Really, you know, I, I got more hopes for Exorcism at 60,000 Feet. I'll say that. So can't wait to check that one out. But this film, with all films that try to use uh, a Lovecraft story, the reason they fall short. Production value of this one was a little low, which is nothing new in the the horror genre. So I'm not gonna, you know, uh, you know, we got things like Sharknado and stuff like that. So production value and all that doesn't really mean a whole lot if you got a good solid story, right? We can all get into that. However. This one, especially with the deep ones and the lore of of Dagon and all that kind of stuff. The problem with the way Lovecraft writes for me is he always says, you know, the unspeakable, I dare not say, I couldn't look upon it. You know, and all these things to where something is so terrible, I can't even talk about it or I can't describe it or I I wasn't able to look at it. And so when you try to make a movie where the descriptions of some of the most horrible things are indescribable, you run into a real problem of where, well, I'm making a movie, so I have to show you visually what this thing looks like. So you take the writings and the descriptions are lack thereof, and you try to create an image. Well, guess what? Since he didn't describe what it actually looks like in his stories, you're left to kind of you know, make it up for yourself in your own head, and that's going to look different for everyone. So I feel like any movie... H.P. Lovecraft related is going to fall to that same uh, folly, I guess, when they're trying to create something from one of his stories. So, anyway, this one, this particular story, the Deep Ones, if you don't know, is based on the H.P. Lovecraft story of Dagon, which I believe is a short story, and then the longer one called Shadow Over Ensmouth. Ensmouth? It's spelled Ensmouth, but I say Ensmouth. I don't know. So, the Dagon Shore is very short. It's about a guy whose ship gets raided. He is manages to escape on a lifeboat. He floats out in the ocean for he doesn't know how long. He wakes up, and it's as if the sea has risen to the surface. So there's this just, like, black, mucky uh, land that he's on as far as his eyes can see. And he says it smells horrible. And to him, he believes this is the bottom of the ocean has risen to the top. So he explores this place for a little while. And he ends up, and I'm gonna, you know, very shorthanding this story because I want to get to the movie. He ends up seeing this this large, uh, like monolith, uh, this this huge structure, and he makes his way down to it, and it's covered in all these hieroglyphs, like what we would, you you know, you think of uh, the the pyramids and things you would find in there, but just imagine that for Fish World. So he finds this huge monolith that's covered in all these sea creatures and humanoid type sea creatures and things like this, and obviously to him. In how it's described it looks like something that people were worshiping at some point it's very large and at some point uh, who we find out is Dagon comes out and uh, approaches the structure and he says it's a, a polyphemus 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 uh, it's large as a whale it's this huge massive sea creature in my mind and in pictures you look at when you're I listen to these stories on YouTube they, they have their available in audiobook form on YouTube and uh, they show things that very much look like the creature of the Black Lagoon but just you know maybe a little better quality and it's kind of described that way that that's what this Dagon creature looks like he is one of the deep ones some type of fish god and so the guy sees this and he this story is actually told from this guy's about to commit suicide and he's like telling this story before all this happens because he said once he saw it and he realized that this was the end of the world or whatever and he couldn't stand what he saw so now he's going to kill himself because he saw this fish god and he thinks these fish people are going to take over so that's the story of Dagon very short story blowing past it maybe mixing some parts up but the longer story the Shadow of Smith, audiobook form it, it's like a whole hour longer than this actual movie was so I mean if that gives you any you know all the details that were in this story, and then they try to make it into a movie. There's no way they could have done that any justice without making it a really long movie, which was not the intent of this film. Uh, so, yeah, Shadow Over Ensmith. It talks about a guy that goes to. Man, I'm really gonna have to paraphrase this. Dude goes to an island. He goes to a place ca- called Ensmith, and he hears all these stories and this lore about the people that live over there, and they were they were in all types of uh, I guess like idolatries or something like you know they had this this church of uh, they had a church of Dagon they started worshiping this weird fish thing the people started getting real sick people started disappearing um, the townsfolk went in to investigate and ended up destroying the town putting the people in concentration camps and doing all this other stuff and they they Use the excuse of, like, maybe it was a, uh, a virus or something. Maybe it was something that they, well, I'll just say it, it, it was a virus or something. They even they even referenced, like, possibly it was a Chinese plague, which I thought was an awkward coincidence, uh, given recent events. thought that was pretty weird how, you know, stories circulate like that. So the the Ensmouth people were also shunned because they were known a lot as foreigners because the guy that was over the island, the one who was profiteering the most over it would bring in a lot of foreigners. And so they thought these foreigners were coming in and those were the ones bringing in the plague. And that's why all these people were getting sick and getting weird and they didn't understand what was going on. And that's, that's kind of what they were attributing it to. Or anyway, that's the story that he got told. And uh, he even refers to them as some of the people were uh, white trash, like southern white trash. Like he, he compared the people there as the island people looked at them as the same way people in America would look at southern white trash. And I thought, holy cow, I didn't know that they had that, uh, you know, moniker, derogatory term towards uh, southern whites back in, you know, <laughs> whenever this story was written. It was really is a long time ago. So it's kind of funny that they had that. Uh, and that it was used in this story. I'd never realized that before, and I know, I've read this story a couple of times already. So anyway, there is, uh, you know, the sea rising up in the original story of Dagon. In this story, it's like, instead of the Ensmith port that they're in, it's like a small island that's a little distant from the port of Ensmith, and it's an island up to itself, and they call it, like, Devil's Island, and they think that's where all these weird rituals are going on, for the esoteric order of Dagon and that's where they're doing all these you know human sacrifices and and uh, sacrificing their own people and worshiping these fish gods and all this other stuff so anywho they talk about the old ones there and that they come up from the bottom and that they mate with the people on the island and they create these like fish human hybrids but the problem is the old ones and all that they're bloodline is so ancient that the human part of those uh you know inner species things they start to shed their human likeness at a certain age. They start to become they grow gills, their eyes get real fishy and, you know, they lose all their hair and all this kind of stuff. And eventually they go back into the sea and they return to the deep ones to live underneath. Man, there is so much stuff in this story that I just can't cover. But just check it out before you watch the movie you'll probably like the story more than the movie itself the movie is just i think it's just kind of a fun movie it's not anything to be taken serious it's not anything that's i mean if you make it all the way through it you know it's just something kind of goofy to watch when you want something horror on tv but you're also doing something else that's how i would describe it but just know that dagon is some kind of fish god there's these fish people that live under the water they say that they could come over and take over the Earth at any time, but they choose not to. As long as they keep getting a couple of human sacrifices here and there, and they can come up and mate with the people, and start to, uh, you know, make these half-human, half-fish people to help populate uh, the lower half. And these fish people, those are the deep ones. So that's where it comes with. That's that's where the name of the, That's where the title comes from. So, anywho, uh, the movie it starts out with a nude running scene so i feel like you kind of already know, and it looks like it was recorded with an iphone so you kind of already know what you're getting into like right from the get-go you got this you know classic core um you know full frontal nudity kind of scene right at the very beginning she's running she's scared someone's chasing her on a beach she ends up going to this house and some guy comes out and he's like come on in i'll save you and then it cuts to Very bright lit scene with a couple arriving onto an island. They're really nice, uh, upper crust kind of waspy looking couple. And uh, they're arriving on this island. They come out and you find out that they're on their second honeymoon. So they get a cab. They go to this little port, which is going to be Innsmouth. But I think they call it something else in this movie. It's It's called the Solar Beach Colony is what they call it in the movie. They show up and they're at like an Airbnb place. But the people that are there that are hosting them, they're also there at the house. They're very inviting. They're very kind, very warm. But right off the bat, they start acting, they just say things weird. And they're already putting out stuff like, you know, the kind of, uh, uh, what what do you call it? A very like, like cultish type language, just kind of, you know, at the end of sentences and here and there, they're throwing out these odd statements that, The couple just kind of blow by. It's like, okay, well, these are our hosts. This is just who they are and how they talk. We'll just deal with this until they leave. Well, then we end up finding out that the couple that's there, uh, they're there to celebrate their second honeymoon because the wife had a miscarriage. So they're here. uh, And then we cut right to this uh, sex scene with a mirror on the ceiling, and they're being recorded by a little camera that the host have put in the room. And you see him watching them have sex, and again, so boom, another nude scene. And these are peppered all throughout the whole film. I'm not saying that's a negative. I'm just saying that if it's something you don't want to see, just know that's what's in this movie. So they do that; they're they're being recorded, and the uh, I think it's I think we're not even 20 minutes in the movie, and they already start making Cthulhu references. So it doesn't really waste any time letting you know. Although the title of the- the movie lets you know but they they let you know very quick that that's what this is that's what these people are about you know they're not going to beat around the bush that's who these people are and I think they need you to have some familiar, familiarity with the uh, Shadow over End Smith and the Dagon stories so if you If you've never read those and then you watch this movie, you're going to hate it. You're going to be completely lost. You're going to be like, this is ridiculous. Not only is it bad production, but it's a bad story. And you're just going to dismiss it. However, if you are familiar with those and you watch the movie, I think you're going to enjoy it. So uh, 20 minutes in, we got weird people chanting Cthulhu stuff. You can see that it's kind of this cultish type environment. And then the host invites the husband. His name is Petrie. He invites Petrie out on a boat. And then here we are, less than a half hour into the movie. He gets him, he gets him high on some homegrown Kush, and hypnotize him with some kind of weird light. And then all of a sudden, he's like taken under this spell of, you know, the Deep Ones or whatever. And so what happens? Well, I'll tell you what happens. A tentacle climbs out of this lady's vagina and into his mouth, and I. I don't, I don't know. I mean, is that not enough? That's what happens. So that's what happens. Um, I don't know what it does. I guess that is the transfer of the turning him into a fish person. or would actually find out later on that he is probably already got the bloodline of the fish people, which you find out in the shadow over Innsmouth that people return back to Innsmouth. have that type of bloodline it's something that draws them in it's the devil's island kind of thing it's the the deep ones it's Dagon. they always end up returning so anyway this Peter guy he gets uh he gets tentacled and a pretty hilarious part for me was he goes back home after being out all day with this couple and his wife's there she's already kind of weirded out by this place because the host invited over some kind of doctor to come check on her because she said she had a miscarriage or whatever but that she was pregnant again And so she's like, okay, these random people are sending a house call doctor over here to check on me. And this doctor, and let me tell you, I haven't seen this other guy's film. So maybe this is just how they go. And I know that, you know, not every movie takes itself too serious. But the doctor shows up and it looks like Mrs. Doubtfire. So what do I mean by it looks like Mrs. Doubtfire? Well, this woman looks like Mrs. Doubtfire because it's a man in poor makeup, bad dress and a bad wig. And so he comes in, she comes in, uh, takes like once a urine sample from this woman. And she's kind of freaked out, but she also doesn't want to be rude. And so she gets all these tests done by this guy and then he leaves. So he's trying to see if she's a good candidate to bring forth, you know, some more of the deep ones or whatever. And so they uh, so that's what she's dealt with. So Petrie comes home. He's super high you know in this euphoria when he gets home they're talking a little smack about the couple and how weird they are he gets weird and defensive about it but the funniest part the part of this out is when he gets home he gives his wife a kiss and she's like "Ooh, you are fishy and remember what i said happened you know just a few hours before this why his breath would be super fishy so anyway thought that was pretty hilarious that made me laugh probably one of the highlights of the movie for me just because it was so funny and uh so anyway they get invited out to a party by the doctor, but also by the couple. So they end up going to this party. Everybody is super weird. And they, you know, they're very, these are the fish people. You can tell if you read the story, you know, everyone's kind of talking in unison. The kids are wearing these weird plastic masks that have zero to do with anything in the story. I don't, I don't, I guess they just did that to just to add a little flair of something different. Or maybe they were just like, Hey, what do we got in the prop closet? We got this. Okay, give them that. That's weird. We'll give them that. Because these people are supposed to have like gills on their neck and webbed hands, which you see a little bit of. But yeah, it's a it's a circus. So anyway, they go in. They talk to people. Uh, they take Petrie out to the beach. And they end up chanting a bunch of stuff to the waves. And it's all weird. The wife is on the inside. She's got her friend there. They're drinking tequila. And kind of being smug with some of the people that are there. The host and a couple of the others there's another part too where petrie is walking around being introduced to everyone and a lot of the people there you know they're just saying hi how are you whatever but they're also talking to him telepathically so you know then that he is one of these he's got some kind of fish bloodline he's returning to talk to all these people they also do a lot of name recognition in this as far as to reference the story you got a guy named obed which references the story you got a guy mr marsh i think is the host he's uh from the original uh, Lovecraft story, I think they use. There's another. There's another. Uh, Ingrid, I think, is is another one that they use from the story. So anyway, there's a lot of name recognition. They're you know, they're not completely taking a dump on Lovecraft, but again, I don't think it's some kind of super serious uh, dedication to him either. So uh, they have this party. They take him out on the beach. They hypnotize him again after talking to him telepathically. Kids are wearing these weird masks. And the friend ends up driving home. And probably the best, and I'm going to say the only real, well, not the only horror scene, maybe like one of the three actual horror scenes in this thing was on the friend's ride home, she gets, well, now that I think about it, I don't remember how, anyway, her car gets stopped somehow. She goes out front and she ends up getting run over by the host. And when I say run over, he slams her and it shows it and then it has this really good scene where it's like close up of her head when she gets run over. So, you know, that was a pretty cool. I thought that was, you know, one of the better scenes in the whole movie. I think if the whole movie had that same type of, you know, how that was filmed, the the dialogue and everything, how that whole scene went down, I think if the whole movie carried that same energy, it would have been a whole different movie. But, you know, I don't know. Was it the director's intent? We'll see. I don't know. Uh, I'll have to check out his other movies and kind of see what his, you know, what kind of products he, he likes to put out. So, anyway, uh, she, she gets killed. And I think that's after they find a letter about Ingrid. Well, Ingrid is the host's wife. And so now we find out that Mr. Marsh, the host, the guy who just ran her over, Ingrid, His wife, who is also pregnant, who also is tentacle lady in the beginning, was the lady that was naked running at the very beginning of the movie. So now it's all kind of starting to tie itself back together and we're starting to put a few more pieces together. Um, There is a weird part where a lady is crazy and she's looking for her daughter who she said disappeared on the island a long time ago. And she's, she's put in very awkwardly. I understand why she's there, but if the movie didn't have her, it'd just be all the same to me. I don't know if she's supposed to be the drunk in the town in the shadow of Endsmith, because the drunk in the town in the written story is the one who, you know, he spills all the tea. He's the one that knows all the stuff. He's the one that kind of ties the whole story together in the end in the, in the story itself. Also in the written story, there's a bunch of really cool chase scenes and all these other things that just don't happen in the film. The film is mostly filmed like on the beach, inside this house or outside of it and really that's it so it makes it makes for a slow film like i said it, it's just the the camera quality is, is awkward and uh you just yeah just just check it out i mean i'm not saying don't see it i still think you know i'd watch it like i said put it on while you're doing something else i don't know but i, I wouldn't say don't see this movie it's not that bad so anyway uh they have a scene where like one of these kids, you see they got webbed hands and they're talking weird. Oh, and that's another thing too. They do have a couple of scenes where the uh, the solar community folks are talking in like this weird, clicky, kind of fish gurgly language. They do make a couple of references to that, but it's just weird. It's just this awkward uh, ASMR, you know, style thing that's just kind of gross. It just it holds just long enough for you to be disgusted by it, which was probably the point. But so anywho. Uh, Let's see, got some notes here, things I don't want to miss. There is a scene at the end, kind of when all this comes to a head. And when they finally find out, like, the Petrie, the husband, is completely converted by this, this whatever's going on, and they're trying to get the wife. So she becomes what you see in the beginning with the lady that was running naked. Now she is that person. So the whole you know, Klan is trying to chase her down and she's trying to fight him off. And there's this hilarious scene where they're fighting and Petrie's wife, she stabs Mr. March and then turns and kicks his wife right in her, nine, and I know she's nine month because she said it in the movie, nine month pregnant stomach, just Spartan kicks her square in the belly and she hits the ground. And I don't know why that was just the funniest scene to me. It just, it was so i won't say it's out of place because she's fighting for her life from these freaks or whatever that are trying to you know kidnap her or kill her or whatever and so you know i guess if that was happening maybe you would kick a pregnant woman in the stomach but just to see it on screen it was just kind of funny you know maybe that's you know just being a horror fan i don't know it was a cool scene so uh when she does that all these tentacles fall out of her and start trying to grab everybody and all this stuff so anyway long story short they end up capturing tree's wife they take her to this weird place out on the beach like next to the water they're holding her down there's all these clothed crotch shots like i said this movie makes no apologies about the 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 smutty parts of it and then who i'm gonna assume is supposed to be dagon comes out of the water and and impregnates her right there on the beach while they're holding her down so the only thing i'll say about this because the dagon costume wasn't bad it's actually a pretty cool costume. I mean, it could be used in any other movie. You know, it looked like that... Uh, the fish guy in the, the new water movie, whatever that was supposed to be, The Way of Water or whatever it is. I haven't seen it. I need to check it out because here it's really good. But he comes out, costume looks good. Only problem is, in that other story, it said that he was big as a whale. So I don't know if this dude can shapeshift or if they just didn't care. I mean, you know, if he's big as a whale, how's he going to have sex with her? Or maybe he was just one of the deep ones and it wasn't Dagon. But I'm assuming, while well, the chanting going on, everything they were doing that was Dagon. So he does that. He gets done. He goes back into the water and then it cuts to a scene of another couple flying in. They're going to, not Innsmouth, but the, you know what it what Innsmouth is supposed to be there and they get there and who opens the door of the B&B? Well, it's not Mr. Marsh and the lady that got kicked in the belly. It's Petrie and his wife and she's very much pregnant and then she kind of gives you this weird eye when she shuts the door. It's very cheesy and generic and that's the end of the film. So, like I said, it's not horrible. I I don't want to grade films. You know, when people grade stuff like one out of three or five or ten or whatever, I'll just say, you know, check it out. It's not it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. It's not even close to the best movie I've ever seen. But I watched it. I watched the whole thing. And if you're an HP fan, why not watch it? But like I said, it's going to fall into the same traps that any any film that tries to to take on a a, a Lovecraft story. It's, you, there's just no way to explain it all. There's no way to put it all out there. Shadow over Endsmith is a way better story than this movie. But I was entertained. And, hey, that's the point. do want to say a couple things here at the end, though. Uh, the one, the guy who plays Petrie, uh, good-looking dude. And I'll say a lot of the actors and actresses in this movie, too, they... I guess they fit the part of what they're supposed to be. But they're very there's a lot of makeup and a lot of work done to them. So they almost look like uh daytime drama actors and actresses. But uh, this Petrie guy, he, he looks like someone you'd see in mission impossible. So i like, that. I looked up some of his movies. He was in 1408, which I love. It's a great movie. Also one tree Hill. Where am my One tree Hill fans at, right? Is that a horror? Is that a horror show? If you don't know about it, maybe you should look it up. So it's not, but, but you know, Hey, it's something I watched when I was younger. So whatever. I'm not, I'm not afraid to say it anyway there was a Robert uh, Miano guy in this he was the homeowner he was Mr. Marsh and he looks recognizable like when you see him you're like I know this guy from somewhere but after looking at his movie history I have no clue where I know this guy from none maybe he just looks a lot like another guy that I've seen in a bunch of movies but f- cool thing about him is he's credited as being in a I guess it's like a mocky, Machu- not a mockumentary, but a fictional document documentary that stars Annie Clark, who is the lead singer of the band St. Vincent. The name of the movie is called the nowhere in. And the only reason I bring that up is because Annie Clark to me is super talented, uh, just all the way around, just everything she does, just uh, her, everything she does is art. It's very experimental. I think it's very abstract and I just love it. So check her out, check out the band Saint Vincent she's got all the social media stuff she's been around for for a while now but I just was introduced to her a few years ago so if you get nothing else out of this episode if you've never heard of Saint Vincent it's a band go check it out check out the lead singer she's got a lot of cool stuff super talented um, and now I'm gonna have to watch the nowhere end because I didn't know she had a movie so boom there it is no thing is they have uh, Kelly Moroni's in this movie who was in the screen package films that we had talked about before. But she was the one who was in Night of the Comet, the cheerleader in Night of the Comet. So yeah, so she makes a, uh, a cameo in this movie. That's probably, she's the one who is the crazy lady who I said they could have done without. So they probably just wrote her in a part there. So yeah, so she's in this movie. And fun trivia. So the Mrs. Doubtfire looking guy who was supposed to be the doctor, you know, when you're watching Amazon Prime, you click on it and there's like a trivia you know just has fun movie trivia i don't know where they get that i don't know who gives amazon prime that trivia so what i mean by that is i don't know if it's true or not maybe it is maybe it's not but the trivia said that that was originally supposed to be played by biling who she's been in other films like she was in one of the crank films uh, she was in the crow she was in the movie wild wild west with will smith which is another cool movie um and the crow is a cool movie too all all those movies are cool if you've never seen any of the crank films they're not horror films but they're pretty sweet action films they're like uh, hardcore Henry style type movies so check those out but anyway she couldn't make it and so they just recasted it with this dude and just didn't bother to change anything else this dude also you can see and how I know it's a guy is because he makes an appearance after the credits so if you do check this movie out I want you to remember two things Well, three things. One, just have fun with it. Don't be so serious like I always say. Just enjoy the movie. Number two, there's an after-scenes credit. Uh, There's an after-credit scene that you need to check out, and it's going to show you who the Mrs. Doubtfire dude is. And uh, three, go check out St. Vincent. Cool band. So, hope you enjoyed this. This It's been Just James Horror Reviews. I'm Just James. Take care.